All right. Well, hey, make some noise for this band once again, leading us through worship. Thanks for being up here, team. You guys are awesome. Get out of here. So uh, if you have your Bibles, Luke is where we're going to be at. We're going to get to John in a minute, but I want to start us out in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to be at. Luke chapter 8, it's a parable. Jesus is telling a story. In fact, he's going to say in a minute, I tell you a parable. Sometimes we think parables are easy to understand, and for some, it is, and others, not so much, as Jesus is going to use this parable to repel skeptics, people that don't want to know anything about Jesus, and enrich seekers, asking seekers to come and ask more questions. So parables Jesus uses to convey deep truth, but also to hide some truth. And that's what we're going to see here in Luke chapter 8. Again, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, John. So we're going to be in Luke, and then we'll move over to John. It says this, Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And when a great crowd, lots of people were gathering, people from town and town, they came to Jesus, and Jesus said this parable. A sower, a farmer, went out and threw some seeds, sowed a seed, and as he threw these seeds, as he sowed these seeds, some fell among the path, the hard soil, and was trampled underfoot. The birds and the airs devoured it. Sorry, the birds of the air devoured it. And verse 6, some fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked out that seed. Some fell into good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. It grew fruit. As Jesus said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear And when the disciples asked Jesus what this parable meant, which means the disciples didn't quite understand it, Jesus said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others I tell them in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Let me read that part again. To you I've given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to others I tell them in parables in these stories, so that by seeing they may not see, and by hearing they may not understand. That, wait, that's weird, right? We'll get to that. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who hear it, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart. So they do not believe, and they're not saved. Then the ones in the rocks are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no roots. They believe for a little while, but then the time of testing comes and they fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, those are those those that hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. Their fruit doesn't mature. As for those in good soil, those are the ones that hear the word, they hold fast in an honest and good heart, and they bear fruit with patience. Would you pray with me as we begin? Lord, thanks for uh, this evening. Thanks for chapel and being able to allow us to come and worship you. Thanks for a great day of just uh, excitement and fun and recreation and uh, time with our counselors and friends, eating good food 
watching an awesome pond competition. Thanks for keeping people safe and something that could have gotten a little crazy. We just thank you for fun. As we continue to learn about you, God, may you soften our hearts and get us ready to hear what you have to say. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, have you ever, again, uh, maybe you, you haven't been there yet, but there's been plenty of times in my life that I'm listening to somebody say something, but I'm not really paying attention. I'm not that great of a listener sometimes. And, you know, somebody will be talking and they're saying something, and then I hear them say something that's really weird, and I always do this. Wait, what? All right? You know what I'm talking about? You hear something, but you don't quite hear it. And then there's this like, wait, what did you just, did you say what I think you said? For example, we lived up here for 14 years. My son um, loved finding animals. Like he just was, if there was, you know, uh, um, a little gecko or a little, uh, I mean, whatever it was, if it was just out there and it was crawling around, my son, four years old, would find that thing, this little lizard, and he'd make a little lizard colony. He loved trying to um, find snakes out, uh, out and about, gardener snakes, and he would, uh, you know, keep them in there. There was a rule. You got to keep these snakes outside. You're not allowed to bring them inside. And he's like, all right. I was like, August, what's this rule? Got to keep the snakes outside. Good. Well, one morning, me and my wife, we were, you know, it's still like 6 a.m. And my son comes in and, you know, we're both fast asleep. We're out of it. We're just sleeping. And my son walks in. And he's like, dad, dad. I was like, what? He's like, I brought the snake in. I was like, all right. Wait, what? He's like, I let the snake in the house. I was like, What? Yeah, I brought the snake in the house. I was like, oh, man, why did you bring it in my room? He's like, no, 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 I didn't bring it in your room. I'm like, good. Uh, it got out of my hands, and it's somewhere lost in the house. And now my wife is like, wait, what? Right? There's a snake in our house? Yeah, 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 but it's okay because it's in the living room. Oh, no. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. My wife is just freaked out in the closet, shut the door. My daughter's crying in the bedroom. And I'm like, son, get out here. All right, I'm going to lift up every inch of these couches and everything, see if you can see it, right? And I'm just over, like pulling up chairs. I'm like, you see it back there? No, no, no. Pull up the couch. He's like, there, I see it. And he just goes under. I mean, he's a stud. No fear at all. Boom. Got it. Grab it. And I was like, get that thing outside. And he's like, can I, can, can I play with it inside? I'm like, that's rule number one. Get it outside, right? He takes it outside. And then I kind of let them all go after that because I hate those animals, right? But that idea of, wait, what? I find myself saying that a lot. And it's interesting as I think about John, which we're going to get to, Jesus is going to say some things that really catch people off guard. They're going to be hearing him but not fully hearing him. And it's this like, wait, what did he say? In fact, I just read it and maybe you didn't quite get it, but Jesus says a parable and some, he makes it so it's very clear. In others, he says, I hear it, I, I say these things. So by hearing, they won't hear. And by understanding, they won't understand. That should make us all do this. What? Tonight, if you listen to all of it, hopefully you're going to understand that. If you don't hear all of it, because you find yourself maybe going to sleep, I want you to understand something. Jesus is going to say some really weird things in the next few chapters. Really bold claims that no human should be making. Jesus is going to do some unbelievable things that no other human can do. And it should make us do this. Wait, what? 
And he tells this parable into his ministry to say, look, as I say things, as I do things, you guys are wanting me to be somebody I'm not, and I can only be who I am. And if you want to know more about me, I hope you lean in because my word falls on different kind of hearts. And we'll talk about that. Before we get to Luke, which we'll finish with that, I want to quickly fly. Keep your thumb or your finger right there in Luke. And I want you to go to John. John, we talked about last night and the night before, John 1. Now I'm going to just quickly fly through a couple of other chapters. But in the first part of John, we see... In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word And then it goes down to say, the Lord, the Word puts on flesh, and he dwells. Yeah, I get it now, all right? I get it. I didn't get it yesterday. The Lord dwells with us. How about that? Make a joke of that one. It's the Bible. It's in the Bible. Read your Bible, all right? He dwells with us, among us. There, I said it, Okay. Listen, relax, relax. We're reading God's word here. It says it. Jesus, who was in the beginning, was God, is God. He puts on flesh and he dwells with us. He walks with us. In fact, the Bible is all about God with us. He is with us and he's walking. Why? He's going to the cross and we're going to talk about that. But also, he's here to show us how to live perfectly. Fully God, fully man. And in chapter 1, he calls his disciples, his friends, come, follow me at the Sea of Galilee. Come and follow me. And they do. And they're like, I think we found the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. And they follow him. In chapter 2, we read that he's invited to a wedding. Not everybody gets invited to a wedding. He's impacted these people, and, and, and they've had an impact on his life. And he goes with his disciples. He goes to the wedding, and he, he does one of his first miracles, turning water into wine. Why is that a big deal? Because in that culture, if they ran out of some wine, some, something to drink, that it would have been shameful for them. So God in his compassion sees them and he helps them out. And in chapter 3, what we're going to see is, uh, we're going to see one of the famous uh, verses here. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's in chapter 3. We're not even talking about God sending his only son to, to die on the cross yet, but that's something to think about. Why? Because this isn't something that catches God off guard. Chapter 4, rumors are spreading about him. He goes to a place called Samaria that is a very uh, different kind of place for Jewish people. There's different politics. There's different racial tension. We don't know anything about that in our world today, do we? And Jesus goes in there and cuts through all the political, all the racial tension, and he shows love to people. And he sits down and talks to this woman at the well. And in this conversation, she's like, I don't quite understand everything you're saying. But once the Messiah comes, the one where we've been waiting for, when he comes, he'll answer everything. And we see it in chapter 4, 25. He says, I am that one you've been waiting for. Here he says, I am the Messiah, the son of the living God. In, verse, in, in chapter 5, he heals a sick person and he asks an interesting question. When that person is sick, he says, do you want to get well? Why does he ask that? Because he has compassion on him, but he's not going to put his power in uh, onto this man unless this man really wants to get well. And in, in John chapter four, uh, 18, he heals this person and all the religious leaders start to say, man, we hate this Jesus. Why? In fact, I want you to turn there. If you see it in John 5, 18, 
People don't just want people dead because they're doing good things. John chapter 5, as he heals this, this man, chapter 5, 18, it says this. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Jesus. That's a big deal. That happened really quickly. How did it escalate? This man walking and saying nice things, having compassion and love on people, healing people, being with people and just trying to show them love and pointing them back to the Father. And it says this. This is why they were killing, to, uh, seeking to kill Jesus. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. He was making some bold claims. In chapter 6, he feeds 5,000 people and he shows his power. His, even his disciples are like, how is this happening? He's doing all of these awesome things and they're blown away. And this is chapter five. This is into his life of ministry. We've just covered maybe you know, a year or some change here just as they've been watching Jesus do these incredible things and say incredible things. But some things that are just a little crazy and in chapter six, let me slow it down. It says this. When Jesus, oh, by the way, I left out Jesus walks on water. No big deal, right? It's a, all right, raise your hand. How many know somebody who's walked on water? Sorry, put your hands down. Forget, forget. I forget. I forget. Shh. How many besides Jesus know someone who's walked on water? You. We're going to talk about sin tomorrow, okay? Just relax. Hands down. Listen. Listen. Shh. Shh. Jesus. Jesus does some incredible things. And I think as Christians in the room, I think we forget about this stuff sometimes. This, this God who, who, put on, who put on flesh, who didn't have to, he comes and he lives a perfect life and he shows us how to live perfectly in, in obedience to the Father. And he makes these bold claims, hey, the one that you've been waiting for, I'm that one. The only way to the Father is through me. I am me and the Father. We're one. I heal people. There's somebody sick. I have the power to heal them. I walk on water, I, I stomp on top of storms. I can do those things. No one else can do that. I can. And then in, in chapter six, as he feeds the five thousand, and I want you to look at chapter six, verse twenty-two, it says, On the next day. So the very next day after this just happened, is all these people were fed. On the next day is now where we're at. This crowd of people are looking for Jesus. And they come and find Jesus, and, in, and through there, the rest of chapter 6, what they're doing is they're coming to Jesus, and they're like, hey, Jesus, hey, hey, Jesus, you know that thing you just said? Yeah, yeah. You know that thing you did with feeding people? Yeah, do that again. Hey, you know when you're doing that thing where you're healing people? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Jesus, do that again. And at the end of chapter 6, Jesus is like, no more. Those that have ears, let them hear. And those that have ears, maybe also you might not be able to hear because you want me to be someone that I will not be. 
I'm not going to be a cheap imitation of a God that you think that I am. I can only be who I am. I'm not a genie in a bottle. I don't do your bidding. I am who I am. I am the son of God. I've said it and I'm showing you it. What more do I have to do? And they're like, hey, that bread, hey, feed us some more of that bread that you did last, you know, you know yesterday. And he says, no, no, no. You want that bread. You don't want that bread. I am the bread of life. The only way the Father is with me. And basically, right, is he's saying, hey, I eat, eat my bread, eat my flesh. And they're like, that's really weird, right? Wait, what did you just say? He's saying, you're looking for other things to satisfy you. And the only thing that will satisfy you is me. Once again, claiming to be God. Those are some really, really bold statements. In chapters 2 through 6, we see Jesus make bold statements. He and do a bold things. He heals. He does miracles. He has compassion on people. He shows his power, his knowledge, says, I am the Messiah. He also says, God and I are one. Think for a moment in your own mind. Who, cl- who says that? Who says me and God, we're the same? Basically, I am I am God. Who says that? Here's who says that. Crazy people. Crazy people think that they truly are God. Crazy people do. Some people that maybe have their screws loose, that that legitimately maybe Jesus thought he was God and he and he's not God. If he's not God, he's crazy. Because he legitimately thinks he's God. So crazy people say that statement. Or even worse, liars say that statement. Let's say Jesus isn't who he says he is. And he knows that he's not God. But he says that he is. He knows he's not. And he says that he is. He's lying, saying, hey, I am God. And he's not. And he knows he's not. He's a liar. So he's either crazy, that's scary, or he's lying, and that's almost worse. Stop and think about that for a moment. And the reason why I'm harping on that is this. I think that there are some people, maybe even in this room, that you're like, I just don't know if I really believe in Jesus. But most historians believe that Jesus, there is a Jesus of Nazareth who was born and was crucified on the cross. Most historians believe that. So if that is true then this Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. So stop. Some people say, okay, well, all right, I believe there is a Jesus, and I believe he had some good things to say, but I don't believe that he's God. Stop. Good people don't say these things. If Jesus is crazy, he's not good. He's crazy. He literally thinks that he's God. That's crazy. Don't follow him. He's a liar. That's not a good person convincing people of something that's not true. Don't follow him. But if it's true, if Jesus really is who he says he is, then friends, we've got to be very careful because we have no choice but to listen to what he has to say. Why? Because in the beginning was God. God put on flesh and dwelt among us. He's either crazy, he's a liar, or he is who he says that he is. 
And we've already established, again, an understanding of the biblical view of who God is two nights ago. And last night we talked about the reliability and the relevant idea of what the Bible is. And if this is true, God's words to us, and it gives us a picture of who Jesus is and what he came to do, we have to start thinking to ourselves, what do we do with Jesus? Because he's making some bold statements, claiming to be God. He's doing some bold things like healing people and walking on water, having compassion and love for people. And the religious leaders want to start to plan to kill him, not because he's doing all these nice things, but because he is claiming some crazy claim that he is God. And a crowd of people are around him, and we started with that in Luke. I want you to turn back there, and this is where we're going to land tonight. It says a great crowd was gathering around Jesus, and he tells this story about a sower throwing out seed, and it's landing on four different paths. And the disciples say, now why are you saying that? He's because there's, there's my words, Jesus is saying, my words are going to fall on four different kind of hearts. A hard heart, the hard path. A shallow heart, one that is rocky, doesn't have a lot of roots. A shared heart, one that's grown up with thorns, it's going to kind of suffocate it. Or a surrendered heart, one that is just fully good soil, ready to hear from the, from the, 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 the word is going to drop into a soil and a heart that is listened to, listen, and, and ready to listen to it. Here's where I want to land the plane tonight. I want us to just process what heart are you? And I want to slow down with these four as we think about as Jesus is saying, I am who I am. I won't be a pretend Jesus. I can't, I don't even know what that means. I won't be any other Jesus that you want me to be. I can only be who I am. And I came to do some things and to show you what it means to live a good, perfect life, one of love and obedience to the Father. And all these people are asking me to do things I just won't do because I do things that the Father wants me to do. And he says, look, and he tells a story later on in his ministry about the kind of hearts that might be hearing his message. And the first one I want to start with, again, is the, the one that he's talking about is the one of the path, a hard soil, one that the, you hear the words, but then the devil comes in and takes the word from your heart. Here he's talking about these religious leaders that have literally been walking with Jesus, seeing him do and say these awesome things, yet for some reason they don't want anything to do with Jesus. I wonder in this room if there's some of you here, you got on the bus, you came, and for some reason you walk into the chapel and you find your heart just kind of being hardened. In 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 your cabin discussions, as we start to talk about who God is, you find yourself just tensing up. And I don't know if that's because of past experiences. Maybe you've been burned by someone in the church, or maybe there's some hurt going on, and you're maybe listening to other voices screaming, hey, forget this. This isn't truth. Ah, truth is relative. We can make up our own truth. If that's the case, maybe your heart is starting to get a little hardened to maybe the words that are coming in chapel time or in our cabins. 
Are we listening to maybe the wrong voices? Or maybe if nothing else, I just want you to ask, what voices are you listening to that are offering you truth? Stop and maybe listen and just ask, if nothing else, maybe just to simply be open to hearing maybe what truth the definition of who is making that truth for you. And we have just, I hope, make that case of who God is and why the Bible is this relevant truth for us. Do you have a hard heart? I would hope maybe you just allow the Lord to start to cultivate that heart. Maybe you find your, yourself, maybe this heart that is one that the truth is falling into, maybe some, some rocky hearts. What is that? It's a, it's a shallow heart not calling you shallow. I'm saying maybe your heart isn't growing rooted, deep roots in the Lord. The joy, you hear good things, but when hard times come, you find yourself falling away. In Long Beach, uh, uh, about a year ago, we had this big rainstorm, big windstorm came over, and I was on my way to church. This huge tree, I mean, this thing goes all the way to the roof. It was such this massive tree, it fell straight over, and it ripped the whole root system up. I would have thought that thing had the deepest, longest roots. Those roots were so shallow. A huge tree from the outside, it looked amazing. Those roots were so small that when that storm came, it had nothing to hold on to. It had nothing to hold that tree up, and it just fell straight over. What this is saying is there's some of us where the word of God is falling on us and we, we come to a camp like this and we get super fired up. We hear the joy of the Lord and we're excited and then we leave and your churches never hear from you again. And, and it's uh, this, this idea that, you know, you've seen cool things. God does some cool things, but... You, you don't really want to go much deeper than just seeing cool things. And the hard thing is, is Jesus says these hard words of I am who I am. And, and I won't be doing these pony tricks for you. And he lets people walk away. There's no real desire to know God more. It's hard because when hard times come, you find yourself falling away because what else are you supposed to cling to? You don't even know who God is. You know things about him, but you're not, you don't know how to cling to him. If that is you, if you find yourself maybe having that, that heart that there's, there's not a lot of deep roots with the Lord, what is stopping you from finding deep roots in Jesus? May we not settle for shallow kind of faith. There's another heart, a shared heart that Jesus talks about here. They hear the word, they go on their way, the, the thorns are right there next to them, and they choke their, uh, they basically choke their life away. What does that mean? It's a shared heart. We have a um, hard heart, we have a shallow heart, now we have a shared heart. One that hopes in Jesus, you, you hope in Jesus, but you also hope in these other things as well. You're finding satisfaction in Jesus, but not enough because you want satisfaction in these other things as well. And Jesus says, I'm not going to share my place in your life with anything or anyone. In fact, Mark 10 talks about that. Jesus is talking to this rich young ruler. He's telling the story about a rich young ruler. Guy comes up and, hey, Jesus, I, be- I believe in you. I know you're a good teacher. And they have this interaction, and Jesus says, look, I know where this is going. Sell everything and come and follow me. And he sees right into this guy's heart. 
And the guy walks away, and he's sad. Why? Because his heart was shared. He wants to follow Jesus, but he wants these other things too. And here's the cool thing. Is that it for that guy? Could he never return to Jesus? He could have. He might have. But the point being, God doesn't want to share your life, your heart with anyone else. He doesn't want a shared heart. He doesn't want other things to pull your attention away from him. I told you I have a dog. She's about eight months old now, and she's crazy, dude. This puppy is nuts. And we take her on a walk, and it's good for a little while until she sees something shiny. And then she is gone, and she's starting to become, like, really strong. And she, you know, everything's great as we're walking, and then she just pulls in a weird direction. And it's so crazy how out of the blue it is. Her focus is everywhere, and it should be with me. In fact, she should be even a little bit behind me because she doesn't even know where we're going. Stay with that. I got you. But nope, she's chasing this. She wants to eat this. And it's gross, these things that she's finding little satisfaction. And I'm like, no more. Come with me. I've got the good kibble. I, I will take care of you. I know what you want. I don't want your focus anywhere else. Stay. Stay on me. If you find yourself having this shared heart, can I encourage you to maybe think about what's pulling your attention away from him? As you come to camp, as you go to church on a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Sunday, whatever it might be, and you go there and you're intent on listening, but then all of a sudden you go home and something else pulls your focus from him. What is that? Because I believe those that are with shared heart, you're so close. Stop sharing your heart with anything, with, 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 with anything else except for him. And what would it take for you to just stop and think, what, what am I sharing? What's taking some of this focus away from him? And then he ends with this, a good soil or a surrendered heart. One that hears and holds fast. What does that mean? Hold fast, believe to be true, to cling to. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast to the confession of the hope that we have without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. The one with good soil or, or a surrendered heart hears God's word and holds on to it and applies it. It's cultivating the soil and, and it takes work because discipleship and discipline is hard. I'm redoing our backyard right now. And we have some just old soil that I'm like, oh, this is fine. We'll plant some trees. And the guy helping me out, he's like, no, no, no. We got to get rid of this soil. We got to bring in new stuff and we got to mix it together. I was like, well, then what? He's like, and then we got to get rid of more and we got to bring new stuff in and mix it together. And we got to water it. And, and we got to plant the tree in it. And we got to water it. And I'm like, this takes too much work. Just put the tree in. And they're like, and that tree will be gone in a matter of weeks. You got to work this soil in order to have fruit coming out of these trees. But it takes discipline and it takes time. And God's saying, as I come and say these hard truths and I do these unbelievable things, there are going to be some that listen and hear and come to me, and there's going to be others that see and want nothing to do with me. The reason I bring that up and we're finishing with this is, friends, as we talk about who God is and the truth of the Bible, and even as we talk about Jesus who comes and lives a perfect life, 
who has compassion, shows love, does some unbelievable miracles, speaks some unbelievable truth, shows compassion in awesome ways, and makes some very bold statements saying, I am God. No one does that except crazy people, liars, or the real thing. And as we hear his truth, just like in this parable, it's going to fall on different kind of hearts, maybe some that are hardened. And if they're hardened, I just ask you, why are they hardened? May you just ask the Lord to help cultivate and start to turn up that soil of just asking, why is my heart so hardened to you, Lord? Ask that question. Maybe that's it. So you start to kind of mess with the soil of your heart, and, and then God comes in also and starts to mess with it as well. Maybe you, have, maybe you have that shallow heart. I've only let God in so much. I want deeper roots of, of who God is. I want to I know more. Then maybe ask, and maybe in our cabin time, start to ask, what does that look like in my life to, to go from a, a shallow heart to a surrendered heart? What would that look like? Why are you keeping distance from God in a relationship and what that looks like? Maybe you have a shared heart. What is it that's pulling focus off of your, your focus of him? Is he saying, this is who I am. I am all that you need. I am, I am sufficient for everything that you're going through. Look to me. In me is fullness of life. Come to me. Or maybe you have a surrendered heart. And as we're talking about these things, you have this joy because this, this soil is ready to hear God's word and do something with it. Jesus made some really bold claims. And the religious leaders don't want him dead because he was nice. Don't miss it. They want him dead because he's claiming to be God. He's either crazy He's a liar, which in case of either of those two, put this book away and forget it, or it's true. And what we know about the Bible, what we talked about yesterday, this is true, which makes his statements true, which if that's the case, what he says is true, but we don't get to, let, we don't get to forget about that, and it kind of falls on what heart it may not be a hard heart or shallow heart or shared heart. I'm hoping that you want a surrendered heart, one that says, God, I'm going to hold fast to the truth that you're saying and watch what he does in your life. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your truth and thank you for your word and thank you for your son coming down and living a life that I couldn't live, showing me what a, a perfect hu human life looks like, one of love and compassion as you made some bold statements, as you did some bold things. The only way you did that is by being who you are, which is God. As we wrestle tonight, Lord, maybe with some of those statements of what we say is we, in response to things that you claimed, maybe with our conversations in our cabins and Allow us to search our own hearts and ask what kind of hearts do we have and what kind of hearts do we want. And may you do the work in our life to cultivate those soil so we hear your truth and hold fast to it and cling to it because you are truth. And may we hold on to truth. It's in your name we pray.